Um, obviously, we can support artists this way, but there's other ways, you know, other platforms can support artists. And that's the way I look at it. It's like, if there's more platforms and communities and resources for the artists, the better, honestly. You know, because it evens out, like I said, the playing field. There's more resources because you might get something for 24 7, you get something for Digilog, other platforms, finesse media. It doesn't matter. Like, you're just basically taking all these things and just applying it um, and see what makes sense for you as an artist or even a young professional. Yes, sir. I am speaking in my you do tone. This is what I sound yeah, I, like. I can hear you. I can hear you. <laughs> good. Okay, cool. We good. We good. This is this is what it looks like when two folks in the music business try to do a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. What's up, man? Uh, I know last time I saw you was during Digilog Day. Yes, but, sir. Um, I was. You were in LA, right? For a few years Nah, I ended up not going. We had some some family stuff come up, so I missed uh missed the the LA trip. I didn't even realize it was Grammy week. I was originally going out there for some other meetings, and then like two weeks out. I was like, oh shit, it's that's Grammy week. Um, and then got invited to a bunch of things and was all excited. And then the week before had to deal with some family stuff, so I ended up canceling. But I'll be back out there you. uh probably in May. May. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm planning to go out there um for, for Manny's show or his LA okay. show because but I know um JR's gonna be hitting DC and he's obviously gonna have an Atlanta show. Yeah, New York. You're, where are you based? Uh, New York. Queens. Okay. okay. Queens get yeah, the money. So, yeah, Queens get the money. Yeah, I love Queens. Uh, but yeah, just I'm just happy to be back home because you know I think um, just working while traveling, I'm just happy to just be at my desk and get shit done. So I know the feeling. My brother, so, you know, this is just a conversation. Obviously, it's a podcast. Um, all yeah. that means to me is we record it, but it really is just a conversation. Uh, the goal is to tell your story. So this is about you. Ultimately, um, my goal is to just kind of have conversations with people that I resonate with, people I respect, people I appreciate, uh, and give them a chance to tell their story because there's somebody like them who's starting on their journey and needs to hear from them. Uh, and so although this is an artist, 24-7 artist is the brand, we really are for everyone. It's, you know, there's an aspiring manager, agent, publicist, marketing guru, or yeah. artist um, that's lost. And the, the whole goal is they're going to come across this one day and be like, man, I just heard this dude Drew say this and, and I resonate with that. Or, you know, I, I, I feel that. And, and if he made it, I can make it. So that's that's all this is so although it's it's a podcast it really yeah. is just a regular ass conversation that's i'm all about that amen so before we start i want to say this i love to give people their flowers dude you are one of my favorite people and we've only been in the same room a couple times and been on phone calls a few it times but you are one of my favorite people and i will list out I why guess. Cause I got to give you your flowers while I get a chance. One, Digilog Day was phenomenal. Like the execution of Digilog Day set the bar for me now of anything that we do, I do. Like the, the, the team, the communication, the execution and production of the event, the recap, 
the follow-ups, the information that I learned, the connections that I made. I mean, it was just a well-done event. And I've been to many conferences. I've been to many webinars, many panels, many all of the aboves, hosted by some of the biggest companies in the world and biggest you know cities behind them. I've never walked away from anything like I walked away from Digilog Day. So like, you know, big, like, <laughs> and then the second thing, oh, it is three. The second thing, uh, you do what you say you're going to do, which is a rare trait, not just in the music business and entertainment business, but in the world. And from the first time we've interacted and, and what we've done together, you have done everything you said you would do, how you say you would do it when you said you would do it. And that is like, even for me, it forced me to step up in dealing with how I deal with people. Cause I'm like, yo, this dude moves different. Like I need to be more like him. So like, know, know that I'm a better person, better leader, better boss, because like working with you and being like, yo, this dude's on his shit makes me realize like how much I'm not on my shit. So like, that's the second thing. Wow, appreciate it. Man. And the third one, last but not least, is you always answer your texts and calls. And that to me is amazing because I'm horrible at that. But like, as, and I know you're busier than I am. So like, that also is something that I've worked on since being being around you and working with you. Because I'm amazed at like the speed, even if like, you can't do the thing right away, you'll always text back and say, hey, I'll hit you in a little bit or hey, give me a little bit of time. But like, you're always so responsive. And it's not like I'm one of your best friends. I didn't grow up with you. It's not like we have that, like, I'm not your, you know, business partner of 30 years. Like, I'm just a guy yeah. you're working with. And like, you respond with a certain sense of urgency every time that I've now implemented into my practices. So those are my three you things that I want to start this with. If no one, if, if someone clicks leave podcast now, they at least know Drew DeLeon is the truth. Man, you know, man, making my day, bro. Nah, I mean, I, I gotta give you a flowers, bro. Just, I think one, um, collaborating with with Manny, um, he's been a godsend in terms of just working with him. You know, as far as artists, you know, we can't ask more for what he's been able to contribute, and I think even for what you've been able to build with twenty four seven, I think, I think it's been incredible with the artists that you've been able to feature. And then we, we, we're, we're in alignment with like our, our core values for education and kind of paying it forward because, you know, there's just other aspects of the industry. Like there's a side where it's like, you know, this is me and, you know, it's all the information I have, but I'm not going to give it to you. So um, I feel like we're in the trenches, even as much of the highbrow stuff that we work on, we still obviously give back to like the, the person that has no music experience or like the artist that has no traction, like, you know, we're still going to give back. And I think that sets us apart from, you know, I think a lot of the executives that we see, and we see the opposite with JR as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're coming from the same plot. A hundred percent. So yeah, now let's get into it. Right. So there's somebody's going to press play. They're going to be like, all right, you, you done talk this dude up. Who is he <laughs> for the person who doesn't know who you are? Who is true? Yeah, first and foremost, outside of the music, I'm Drew DeLeon, um, first generation uh, Filipino-American, immigrated here to the States, Queens, uh, when I was four years old. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, uh, I grew up with really just, um, I like to say strict parents, but, you know, they really guided me throughout the process when I was growing up. Uh, music was always at the heart of what I loved, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do or knew that it could be a career. I was more interested in sports, 
Like I was a big basketball enthusiast. Um, and I think for a lot of Filipinos, they're not as tall, you know, <laughs> but my parents are like 5'11", 5'9". So I just kind of stood out amongst my peers. And I thought I was going to be the first like Asian basketball player, but Jeremy Lin just kind of took my spot in, in Yao Ming um, in the NBA. But yeah, no, I'm grateful because when I come into the States, um, I think for any of the immigrants that live, you know, in the States, it's just kind of finding your, your place. And I think I grew up in a space where, especially in New York, where you see so many different backgrounds and cultures. So for me, the way that's the way I looked at the world, like my lens of the world. And that's the way I welcome people. Like, I don't look at where you're from, you know, what language you speak. I just embrace that because I just find people fascinating. Um, so growing up, um, basketball and, and obviously building relationships with friends, um, that was kind of like my thing. And um, my parents obviously were very strict. So I think first generation parents are, you know, they're always just about going to school. I was the first to graduate. I'm the oldest. So I think the expectations to go to like a college and graduate was just like was huge. And I was able to accomplish that. Um, and in doing so, I think you also lose yourself in that expectation because you're always kind of pressured to to do what your parents want you to do um i was at the the whim of like you know let me let me sacrifice let me make sure my parents are happy because they put so much for me and i think when i turned 25 and you know i was working um actually i went to brew college i was working in finance at the time um yeah it was just it was really tough because you know it was in the middle of the recession probably the worst time to pivot i was looking at myself i'm like man, what is my purpose? Like this money thing that like, I'm living in the city, I got finance job, like, you know, I'm supposed to be happy, but I can't wake up on Mondays and be driven by just like making money and making other people rich. Like it wasn't my, my calling. I mean, for some people it may be, but um, I was like, what is my purpose? I knew I wanted to help people. That's for, first and foremost. But I found out, you know, through working with my friend who's a DJ, you know, he was like, hey, you know, can you help me out with some of the business stuff? Like, you know how to like write emails, you know how to talk to folks. Can you be my manager? I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but I'll help you out. And that was really my entry point to music. And I think it gave me like a compass to like figure out where I was going. And music at the beginning, I didn't necessarily know what that would entail. But I knew that it was something that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed helping creatives, you know, because creatives are just so, I like to call them unicorns, like artists are unicorns, but they just don't know how to organize their ideas. And that's where we come in. We come in like compact these, like all these ideas and put them into like uh, a compact space where you can understand it. And that's where I was able to add value from a management standpoint. Um, and it was tough because pivoting from finance to music is, in any pivot is very hard, but to do that during a recession is probably like the, not the most, <laughs> it's not the smartest move. Uh, but I was just like, man, I can't stand working 80 hours a week, carrying a spreadsheets all day. Um, and I found myself working the odd jobs while I was trying to like build this music career. So I was like, you know, tutoring, I was refereeing volleyball games. I was, what else? I was waiting tables. It was just like boggling because I was at a desk at one point, you know, working in Times Square at one of the most prestigious investment banks, Morgan Stanley. And then I just kind of flipped the script, was like, F all this. I'm just going to like live my life, you know, pursue my passions. And then just looking at your bank account, you're just like, man, 
these passions uh, aren't, <laughs> aren't paying the bills. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So you, have, you, have, you find yourself kind of like humbling because you live this lifestyle and then you have to come back to, to earth. And, you know, around 2011, I had to move back to live with my parents. And it was a humbling experience because, you know, it's, it kind of felt like from an optic standpoint, you're, 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 you're taking a step back. But I knew deep down that, you know, this is what made me happy when I woke up every day. Because people would ask, were like, don't you miss like living in the city? Don't you miss like having that consistent, like great paycheck? I was like, I do to a certain extent, but I really enjoy helping, you know, the, the DJ I was working with, the artist. Like I was just really just enamored by it. Um, and I think, you know, finding that, you know, even as early as it was when I was 25, it was, it was great because now I had a, a sense of like purpose. Like I, I, I had a compass, you know, it wasn't just like checking the boxes, you know, before it was like going to school, get a great job, make my parents happy. Like, you know, this is what I think families and people just expect you to do, but no one decided to ask me how I felt. I was just like doing it, you know? And um, I think that's for anyone that has been or going through that. I and mean, you don't have to be an immigrant to understand that. I think just the idea of like going through the, the checklist of things in life. Um, I think it's important to question things. And that's what I did when I was 25, I questioned things. And it was a really important moment for me to understand. And that was really like the introduction to music, um, you know, making that pivot. Man, so... Now I get why we vibe, because I am the same. I'm the oldest, first generation. We moved here when I was 10, moved to Atlanta first and then up to the DMV. Uh, and all the expectations in the world of like, make us proud, go to school, be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, those are your three options. Um, and I didn't see it through. I, I went for a semester, did horrible, went to second semester, dropped out. Uh, tried it again for a little bit, again, under under the pressure of like, I got to make my parents happy. It's what you're supposed to do. But that inner voice kept telling me that's you're not that like you've never been that. It doesn't make sense to you. And then when I finally bit up the courage to like, all right, y'all, like I got to figure this out on my own and do it my way. Um, and you jump and you take that leap of faith and you feel like you're letting people down. And like you said, you feel like you're taking a step backwards and you know, you hear where it's like, oh, that's so much potential, but, and it's like, no, 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 like, I know I'm gonna figure this out. And it takes time. It took me a long time to really get my shit together. But when I finally did, it was more than worth it. And, you know, I, I think my parents are beyond proud. A couple of weeks ago, I was on your Instagram story and I saw you won your, your first Grammy as an executive. So like, Filipino parents gotta be happy with that. I mean, they are. I mean, it's, it's crazy. My mom, mom was like, first thing was like, yo, did you see Ben Affleck? I was like, mom, I just want a Grammy. <laughs> like, I don't know. He was there. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no, they were, they were, they were, they were, they were super proud. I, I'm still, still in cloud nine. I think I'm sure for you, like you, you kind of look back on things when you, you hit a certain like milestone and you're just like, damn, like, how did I get here? Um, and 13 years of just, I like to say trials and experiences. I don't like to say trial and error because like mm -hmm. those are a lot of experiences that I appreciate that's got me to this point. But yeah, it was just like, I, I didn't even cry, but I was just like really just reminiscing. It was a very nostalgic moment where I was like, man, this is like surreal because I'm not supposed to be here. You yeah. know, you know, I could have easily just like, just got a, stuck, you know, stuck with the, the finance job, you know, 
I was picturing myself, I was going to be this executive director in finance, have a white picket fence, you know, family, do all that. And I was like, man, I just was like, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I think for anyone that sees themselves as, as like an underdog or, you know, doesn't see their, their, their dreams being supported or their voices being heard, like, you know, me and you, like we're, we're testaments to that, you know, 100%. JR the testament to that. So I think it's important that um, we continue to like have these conversations and also be at the forefront because, you know, we're, we're paving the way for the, for this next gen that um, we didn't necessarily have, but we're in a position to guide, you know? A hundred percent. No, I, it's funny. I see like my little cousins, like I have aunts and uncles who saw me kind of go through this and everybody thought I was losing my mind, some more supportive than others. But it's funny because they're kids who are my little cousins. And I think Filipinos and Liberians have a lot of similarities in just how close families are and cousins are. Cousins are really like your extended siblings in our cultures. My little cousins grew up and saw me drop out of school. They saw me be an entrepreneur, which wasn't even a word when I was doing it. They saw me build a studio and then get on the news and then get in newspapers and then win awards. And and so they saw success in a way that wasn't an option. And it was hard, I think. It wasn't hard. I'm glad I did it because I saw the next generation have a much easier, much more supported path because they could always point and say, well, look at what cousin Yudu did. Like he, he's successful and he didn't go that route. So there is another option. Um, and, and a lot of their parents would call me and say, hey, talk to your little cousin. They're looking for some advice. They're thinking about dropping out of school. And we told them, talk to you, not like talk them into staying, but like just tell them the trials and experiences that you went to so that they can prepare themselves because all a parent wants at the end of the day, and now as a parent, I get it, is like, you just wanna keep your children safe. You wanna protect them. But unfortunately, sometimes in protecting somebody, you don't give them a chance to like really figure out who they are. And and so I, I definitely agree and I can attest to it. Um, I wanna talk next about, so you leave a job, finance job, you start helping manage a DJ, starting out as how most managers do. I don't know what this means, but I guess I'll help you out with what I know. You're learning along the way. Um, kind of walk us through those early years of like post-finance, Drew, pre, I've, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like what were those early years and how were you learning how to be a manager slash executive? Yeah, I think, you know, you just have to wear a lot of hats. And I think that's just the case for young managers where you find yourself becoming the marketer, you become the street team, you become the director. And I really appreciated that because I get, you get to dip your hands in all these creative roles. And it prepared me to understand when we did have a, an opportunity to hire, you know, like what you were looking for. I could speak the language. Like when you talk to a director, like at the DP, like I'm looking for the, like these type of mid shots. I'm, this is the type of block and I'm looking for the artist. Like you're not just speaking from one standpoint. And, um, I really appreciated those, those moments. Um, but you also understand like what you're really good at. And I think that's important because when you're trying to figure things out, I think everyone wants to just be all around, but I think you have to focus and really master things. You know, when we go to school, we're like, let's just get straight A's. But you know, the idea is like, you just, you have to be a master of something to really to be the best at it. And, I decided to like really lean in in digital marketing and, and marketing at the time. It was digital media, like no, no, no one knew what it was, but I just knew how to tell stories and help artists to kind of convey that and translate that online. So I doubled down on that. 
also knew there was opportunities on the brand partnership side. So like getting like clothing brands that I was cool with or just brands in general to like help cut costs or just like, hey, like they have different audiences, like let's tap in. I'm just thinking about stuff like that. But I think for any of the young managers or anyone starting out, like it's okay to try these different things, but you have to circle in into something that you feel like this is what I'm really good at. And then triple down because you want to be a master of, of that craft. You know, you don't want to just be all around, you know, because like I said, you, you could be mediocre at that, but I'd rather be a master of one thing and be okay at other things. So that's my biggest lesson. I love that answer. And I couldn't agree more. I, I, man, the synergies are crazy. I see why we literally live mirror lives in our Filipino and Liberian lifestyles. It's like be, being my, my old interns used to call me the avatar because they'd be like, dang, you do like, you know how to engineer, you know how to edit videos, you know how to do graphic design, you know how to write business proposals, like, you know how to do all these things. But I wasn't great at a lot of them, right? When I'd say I was decent. I love being around people who really know how to do that shit because like I'm always blown away when I see someone really kicking ass at something, but it gave me an advantage to have the conversation. So when we're going through creative direction, I know how to like set an example or when we're going through like writing a treatment, I know how to do that. Or when we're going through like a legal contract, I know how to like skim it. But I definitely understood that like for me to level up, I'm better off finding people who are much better than me at all those things. And I kind of know where my sweet spot is and I, I stay in my sweet spot. So even when we first connected with you guys with Manny, I remember on the call, I was like, yo, I don't do lines and colors. I'm gonna put my hands up now. When we in this chat group and text group and y'all start sending like album covers and artwork and, and treatments, y'all not gonna see no input from me unless you ask. Not that I don't know it, but that's not where I'm gonna bring value in this situation. I like to organize and structure shit. That's my thing. So like that, I love that you said that and I hope somebody picks that up, that gem up of like, yo, dabble early, learn early, learn a lot and to try and explore with the goal of finding what you're good at. And, and if you can find what you're good at and you like doing it, that's that sweet spot of like double down on that and become a master because there are there aren't too many like experts anymore. There aren't people who double down and like really get good at a thing. And there's a big difference when you find those people and add them to your team even like when you get super technical with like a really good color corrector, like they may not edit the video, they may not do a lot in like the, the production, but you send them that last pass to like do the coloring and it takes the video from like here to here. And, and it takes time to like understand, like you go from, hey, I got a guy who can pretty much edit the whole video for $500 to eventually you find yourself in this world of like, yo, I'm paying $500 for the person to do the coloring. And, and that like evolution right. is where we find ourselves now where it's like, but that's the only way we can compete is we have to get to this place because the person mm -hmm. that can do the whole video for 500, you do that. You have to go through that step. You have to learn it and have to go through those experiences, but you want to evolve to the place of like, you I've got a really good DP. I've got a really good producer. I've got a really good editor. I've got a really good post coloring person. I've got, you know, mm -hmm. that's, 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 uh, I feel like what a lot of people miss out on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's it's for a lot of young folks, I'm sure you see it now, um, because we live in the social media space, you know, they, it's easy to compare yourself like where people are at. And I, I always tell folks, we didn't grow up in that. Like we we were, you know, a space where obviously we'll see each other in person, um, not until like probably like 20, well, 22 to now where we're like obviously seeing what people are doing. But I'm like telling folks like, you know, like, 
take your time um, and just in, be present during this process because once you reach that milestone, you're going to ask, like, you're going to have this question, like, is that it? Or what else am I going to do? What's next? And, you know, for me, like, I've, I've really enjoyed more so the, this process of getting there um, because, you know, that's, that's, that's the beautiful part of it. You know, you, you get to the milestone, you're like, what, what else do I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so just take your time as, as you advise folks that are especially starting out, like take your time and enjoy the experiences that you have with your peers, the moments, even as difficult as they can be, because you're always going to look back at those moments, man. I, we were in the trenches together, you know? Um, so I always look back on those moments. As, as a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way of looking at it. So you, you go through your learning from these experiences, you're, you're a manager, and then you end up at a label and you're doing digital marketing at a label. How, how did that come about? And then obviously this is, I'm guessing, how, how many years after you leave your job, your finance job, or do you then find yourself working at a label? Yeah. Well, so just to kind of fill in the gap. So around 2011, um, I found myself uh, working actually for Beats by Dre as a brand manager. Um, that was a really cool opportunity because they hired this team of those folks that had relationships with artists to just kind of be brand ambassadors for their flagship store in Soho. It was supposed to be a three month pop up. You know, we were supposed to help sell headphones for like the hottest headphones at the time. And for me, like, I was like, this is really cool. Like there's integration of music. I see these like headphones, which are like the Jordan of headphones at the time. And I got to learn how, you know, brands inter- integrate their products into music. But in doing that, you know, we disrupted really well and it ended up becoming from a three month pop-up shop to like three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it allowed me like to have something stable where I could like do the management stuff, invest in artists, um, figure out like what my, like I said, the digital marketing thing, but around 2014, 2015, um, right before they got acquired from Apple, I was like, you know, I've kind of hit this like ceiling. So I'm going to like pivot. And that's where I kind of went back to entrepreneurship. Um, and then I had built relationships because of working at beats, you know, you have a product that people like, so you leverage that, right? You're like, all right, cool blogs, which were big at the time, you know, write on my artist. Label p- folks, check out my artist. Here's a pair of headphones. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was just leveraging what I what I had. Um, and then that's how I build relationships. It's like, oh, this is what I do, X, Y, Z. So my first summer consulting opportunities was consulting some of the labels. One was Sony, um, Rock Nation. And um, this is around 2016. And then during that same time too, I was also starting Digilog. And um, Digilog is when I think things really shifted in my career because I wasn't so focused on just working with the artists. I found myself thinking like, how do I help thousands of artists, you know, from a community standpoint and in doing so it opened doors where the, I, it wasn't just like singular from one artist. It was like, now everyone's just really interested in how they can be involved. And um, that actually prompted my first opportunity. I, I met someone who my, my boy JD, who was, who was the head of digital at the time at Def Jam. He was like, yo, I really love, what you're doing to Digilog, you're featuring all these really young execs, all the homies. Um, how can I be a part of it? And then fast forward at South by Southwest in 2018, he like hires me and was like, Hey, I want you to be part of my team. I was like, Your team? I was like, I'm like, what do you mean? 
He's like, yeah, I need you to consult because you know you understand like digital and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to help. And my first like project was working on the Pusha T Daytona project. Um, and that was just like a whirlwind because I'll be honest, you know, with all the experience I had, I came into that situation and, and this is, this is normal for a lot of folks with, you know, like definitely a case of imposter syndrome. I was like, Hmm, do I belong here? <laughs> like, how did I get here? <laughs> uh, and also too, I was also like 33 at the time. And, you know, it, it was, you're, you're older than some of the folks, but and I just put my, my habits in, like I was the first one in and last one out. Um, I made people know that, you know, I was going to be the hardest working person in the room. And, you know, after two, three months, you know, I just applied my hard work. I listened, you know, and especially when you're in those label rooms, like everyone wants to get their voices heard. I did the opposite. I just listened, mm-hmm. you know, and I spoke when I felt like I could add value. Right. Cause you'd be in marketing rooms, everyone's yelling ideas. And um, that's what I learned and learned my position. I built relation, like really genuine relationships with people and, you know, friendships I had to this day. And that's how I was able to just really understand how everything worked. And that was my first label job working at Def Jam. My, I think breakthrough artist at the time, which I'm really proud of was Danny Lay. So like I got to work with her um, and her team and put her in a position because it was really challenging, you know, given the circumstances of where the label was at, you know, new leadership, but she was the bright spot amongst the all the things and shift the things that were happening at the time and um i really enjoyed working with the team because we would stay late to like 9 10 p.m and just like really just chop up ideas hang out um and those are times i always reminisce back like even though it was challenging um we bonded together because we were it was just like we were in this together you know you know it's not you it's not just by you it's us yeah. And um, the friendships I have to this day for a handful of those folks, you know, runs deep. Oh, man. Yo, there's a lot of synergies in our in our lives. We literally are living in parallel worlds. So Beats by Dre, we did a partnership with them, with ours. So my old studio, House Studios in D.C., um, was kind of like the D.C. hub, like Logic, Wale, Raheem Devon, Phil Day, all, all Tabby Benet, all the D.C. legends. That was their home studio. And at the time, like we started that company with zero dollars, my wife and I weren't even married at the time. And I was like, I have this concept for like creating content, getting brands to put up money. That's how I'll get my friends who are artists to come to the studio and be able to pay my bills. And Beats by Dre was one of our first partners, 2012, 13. Like, and this was monster beats. Like they literally sent a check and I think like 20 pair of headphones to help us launch. We had an artist grant program, full circle moment for you and I, artist grant is how I found Manny Wells. We had an application process where thousands of artists would apply to get a week in our studio for free with a full production team. We'd cover the whole thing. We do music business workshop classes. We'd, We'd introduce them to blogs at a time, big thing. And um, that was supposed to be it. Just like a one week sprint, we hand you off and we did our thing. Manny was the highest rated artist grant winner. We bought in like radio A&Rs, DJs, program directors, uh, artists, producers, and everybody would vote on the artist. They'd, they'd get their feedback. They'd listen to a song. They did a video interview with us and you'd get this package and you basically would like fill out like five out of 10 personality, five out of 10 songwriting, five out of 10 potential, whatever it is, five out of 10 looks. And 
Manny was the only artist in our three years of doing it. And a few of the artists who we passed on and or got it, but didn't like who are now big artists, like Manny was the highest rated across the board. Um, but yeah, Beats by Dre was our first partner where we literally I sent a, a letter to Beats by Dre and I was like, look, I got this concept. I got the studio. I need help taking care of these artists. I'll, I'll use Beats by Dre exclusively in all of our video and photo content. And, and it was like the easiest partnership I've ever had. It was like, hey, we're in, here's a check, here's some beats, send us the stuff when it's done. Like this is pre-influencer marketing. This is pre, this is like YouTube channels weren't even, there was no back end of YouTube. Like I like, this was like 720p videos, not 1080 like, so full circle. And then Def Jam was the first label that we had an, ex like not exclusive, but like, we had a direct pipeline where if artists were on tour and they were in DC, Def Jam could just call and their artists could come to the studio. They were the first label wow. that we did that with. And it's all around the same time. Like Beats was like 2013, 14, and mm -hmm. Def Jam was roughly around the same time where like we we were just, so so that, it, I, I just wanted to share like our lives are, are, are eerily connected for years. <laughs> um, wow, that is crazy. <laughs> craziness. Um, so you work at Def Jam and, and the imposter syndrome, I want to speak to that too. So like, you're absolutely right. I feel like I'd say 99% of us deal with it and only a few people ever speak to it. That first opportunity and even opportunities I get now, like you constantly find yourself saying like, yo, when are they going to figure out that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing? Like, when are they going to figure out, like I'm figuring this out in real time. But I also believe like everyone's figuring this out, right? Like yeah, even an expert, it's still new to them the 10th time, the hundredth time, because there's always right. something new. There's always a new, and, and it's just a matter of like having faith and, and moving. But I'll say this, having gone to a DigiLog event and having worked with you, if there's any level of imposter syndrome now, like I want to make sure anytime we connect, you know, like, <laughs> man, you inspire me to work better. Cause I'm just like, yo, this dude's got his shit together. Like this dude is like, I'm not where he is. I got to get better because this dude is like kicking my wow. ass as far as like, just don't being good at what he does. So I just think you're 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 doing a really good job, and we'll get to like some of the more current stuff. But uh, I just wanted to drop that. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to address that too because at any level, you you might come across that, and I think you kind of somehow sometimes have to come back to your wheelhouse and be like, you know, what skill sets and tools or just kind of like inner like motivation got me here, and it's just like you know discipline and hard work, you know. I noticed opportunity gaps like all right cool like people are just kind of strolling in um around like 10 30. i was like all right let me get there earlier like let me just you know just really show that i'm committed and it comes with the work like responding or like just being able to just be available um and just do the small things and the small things actually become big things because you know like to your point earlier just being responsive or just being able to talk to people even the interns that no one was talking to <laughs> like I was just hanging out with them sometimes. So just kind of noticing those things. And it gave me the confidence as I applied the hard work where, you know, those intimidating marketing rooms became um, an opportunity more so just to like showcase like my creativity um, and say like, all right, cool. Like I could speak in a room of 40 people. Cause that is intimidating. You know, you have people that are well-established and you're just like, I got to talk about these marketing ideas for an artist. And there's a lot of pressure to like figure out how to break the song. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was a much needed like dive in, 
into uh, that type of culture. But, you know, um, but yeah, I, I like to say it's important to recognize it if you have it. But if you if you have those feelings, you can go back to your wheelhouse and be like, yo, how did I get here? You know, and kind of just remind yourself, like, why you're there. And that's a great gem. And, and I've never phrased it that way. I feel like I've, I've shared it, but I love how you phrased it because it's like, go back to the things that worked for you, right? Like, and those things almost always cost you nothing, right? Like what you said didn't cost any, like no schooling or no, like there's, there's no class level difference in like doing the simple basic things that will separate you. Show up on time, work harder, uh, speak to people, look them in the eye, uh, add value where you can, open the door for someone, be nice to someone that day. You know, I'm a student. I, I, I will like obsess over learning something. Not like if I don't understand something, I will spend every hour I can in trying to figure something out. And so whenever I'm added to a team, doesn't matter what role I'm in, like if you put me in a position, I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what I'm doing. Know you're going to have someone who by the end of that project is like, holy shit, this, he knows what he's doing. Like, so that's kind of like my goal to my wheelhouse is like, just know that even if you're not comfortable day one, once we break from this room, I'm going to the library. I'm getting on Google now. Like, I'm going to figure this shit. I'm going to have some conversations like, yo, who's doing this right? Let me go meet meet with them. And like, and I've never been in a situation where like, if I didn't understand something and I asked somebody who I felt like did that, they said, no, I'm not going to help you. It's never happened to me in my life. So like, but most people won't even ask most people. And, and it costs nothing to say, hey, I'm, I'm starting a business and I've never run a business before. Can I pick your brain? Because your business looks successful. And every time I've had someone say, let's go to lunch, like come to my office. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I went through, how I fixed it, what to look out for. So I love that kind of go back to your wheelhouse, the things that worked for you in elementary school in middle school and in high school, those same traits that you, you innately have is why you'll be, a, it's what makes you, you, it's what differentiates you when you're in a room of 40 executives who were a part of these major projects and have every plaque on the wall behind and it's like you know how do i compete with that person like but if you just be you really well they can never be you it's like that's took a while for me to, to appreciate that i do now more than ever yeah no no for sure for sure and then like i said that's just for anyone that's going into these spaces in these rooms um because you know like i said you, you could feel small in those rooms um but always go back to it like yo i belong here and um, and sometimes you, you go to your peers and they'll, they'll they'll be your cheerleaders as well. Like I was fortunate enough, you know, you don't let your ego get in front of you and ask for help or just even talk to your friends that have always been your, your day ones. And they can kind of like, you know, just like remind you like, yo, you know, Drew, like you belong here. You, you need to be able to speak up. And um, sometimes you need that pep talk a little bit, but, you know, don't hesitate to ask. You know? I love that. I love that. All right. So we're at Def Jam. You're, you're, you're killing it. Uh, you're getting to, to cut your chops. You're building relationships that, you know, are lifelong relationships and still impact you to today. What's, what's the chapter after Def Jam? And, or yeah, Digilog, so Digilog is launched as well. So what's, what's that next chapter? Yeah. So I think the, the, the great part is that the Digilog was kind of happening simultaneously. And it was more so like an offshoot passion project that the team at Def Jam, my media team was supportive of. Um, so when I program events once a month, they would pull up, I always feature people from the team, which is great. Um, so they just enjoyed it. I, I think a lot of people didn't understand what it would become because I didn't. I just, I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, 
let's just get people together, all the homies. Um, it was more so for me just to like have, you know, really just touch the community, like to be able to just like not say like, oh, I work at a label now. Like, I don't know. I can't talk to you. Like, no, like I need to understand what's going on in the spaces, like what you're working on, what's, what's challenging for an independent artist. So those were like really great moments. So like, as we were working at Def Jam, um, I was there for two years, Digilog, we're programming events. We, we did some cool, some cool partnerships with WeWork at the time and then Dolby. But um, yeah, after, you know, Danny Lay, I, I found myself, you know, looking for other opportunities because I thought, you know, I learned as much as I could here. And um, my next pivot, and this is probably like right before the pandemic, I got hired to like oversee digital over at Alamo Records. So uh, Tom Osk was hired me to oversee digital and um, then the pandemic started. So uh, that was a interesting pivot considering um, doing digital during the pandemic. But I always like to say like, you know, guys always puts you in the right places, even though it was very challenging. Cause you know, at the time, like I thought like, man, the cultures here are very different. Like I really miss the people. Death, but I knew that I had to like be in spaces where it made me uncomfortable. And this is for anyone that is that goes through changes, it's gonna be growth is uncomfortable. So just deal with it. Like it's it's okay. You can't always just have a safe space. Like you have to just like go in uncomfortable moments. And uh working with Rod Way was probably like my my favorite project, you know, at the time. But you know, you're working during the pandemic, but it allowed me to um really be creative during that time. And also from a Digilog standpoint, really understand like where the Digilog community need the most support. Um, you know, at the time, a lot of people lost jobs. Artists were just trying to figure out what they do. So we decided to program virtual um, like open mics for artists to like perform live on IG Live, Twitch. Um, this is when we first started like our job board and really posting jobs every Monday, which became Mondays and Thursdays. So. From a digital standpoint, the the problems and challenges for the music community just heightened, but we saw that as an opportunity to like expand our resources and programming. So that was ha happening simultaneously while you know I was working in Alamo, and I think working virtually allowed me to do all these things because I wasn't just like at the office. So it, you know, in, in hindsight, the pandemic was like a blessing in that respect. So it allowed me to really understand what I wanted to do and. Fast forward, you know, Digilog, you know, things are opening up in 2022. So that's why we're traveling and doing all these meetups. And then um, I got to like partner up with JR, who was the head of sales at Alamo. Um, and I always appreciated his forward thinking. Uh, and he convinced me, you know, I was about to like work for another company. And I was like, yo, I need this consistent paycheck. And he was like, no, bro, like we're going to do something really special. And, you know, our first artist partner for NPR Global was money long. So, you know, um, it was, like I said, when I, in hindsight, sometimes you need someone else to remind you like what you're capable of. Um, so, cause some often you see yourself and your limitations and I will always appreciate JR for seeing that in me. Yeah. And, and I can speak to NPR, you know, haven't worked with you guys personally. Uh, I've been in a lot of label meetings. I think we've met with every, we have definitely met with every major label and, and imprint, uh, and, and been approached with multiple artists and, and, and had the spiel come across basically the same spiel 30 different ways. And then we had the meeting with NPR and it was the first different pitch I'd ever heard. It was, a, it wasn't even a pitch. It was a first different like approach. Um, 
And I resonated with everything across the board. And I remember like after the first, I think Zoom call, I call him Manny and saying like, yo, like, yeah, this is it. Like, like they're the ones. Cause we'd been approached for years. Like, you know, everyone wanted Manny at one point. And, and when, you know, he was going viral back with his other projects we were doing, we, we would get excited and we'd be like, oh man, we're going to this label, we're going to this label. And we'd, we'd do the whole song and dance. And then it, it, no matter what was said, it always come down to like, yeah, but you want the same thing that doesn't align with us. But with you guys, it was like off break. It was different. Just like the whole energy, the vibe, the intent, the actions, and and the approach. I was just like, yeah, these guys get it. So, and then that's a testament to both you and Jr. I think like you know Jr. McKee, who's I'm, I'm gonna have him on the podcast soon as well. Like you guys at at NPR, obviously the success of Money Long, and this was obviously now you guys have won a Grammy with her, and she's on the back of your wall. Uh, but you guys legitimately crack the code. And I've said that to a few artists that like, whenever I come across an artist that I feel like is ready for that next leap, I'll always point them to you guys and be like, yo, go go get a consultation with, with JR and like, see if they're the right vibe for you and vice versa. Because I just think you guys have cracked the code. If I was an artist and I wanted to to be independent, but wanted the support and a team that that felt like family and looked out for me and then wanted to get to know who I was and build on me, I would go to NPR and I'm not saying that because you're on this call. Like I, I truly believe you guys have cracked the code. So without, I guess, giving away too much of your sauce, what makes NPR different? Well, what is NPR first and foremost? And then what makes you guys different? Yeah. And NPR, which stands for music power respect, shout out to JR for putting that together. It's a, it's a distribution platform where it's not like necessarily your more standard distro. Uh, we're a hybrid, right? We really like to partner with our artist partners. We don't really look at like, oh, this artist is part of our roster. It's a partnership. And we approach, approach it holistically. You know, the way we look at it is how do we build uh, an artist brand? Um, how do we build a community for the artist? How do we build a narrative for the artist? Um, and really put the artist at the forefront of leading the ship. I think with Manny and, and Money, like, you know, we want to make sure like you're the one who's steering the ship. We're here just to like amplify ramp up do everything that you in in, your, in terms of your brand ethos and artist ethos makes sense um and i think having conversations on a daily is important um we're, we're big on details um and i think uh the fact that we only have three artists on the roster is a testament to the way we approach our details because we're not just hey we're just gonna put music out and just hope for the best um like no everything that we do is very intentional and um, we always appreciate Manny just because he's a, like, like a, a triple threat. Like he forms incredibly. He's a content creator and he's a true artist. And I think those are the type of artist partners that we're looking for. And, um, we're very intentional. It took time to like figure that out with, with Manny, but we're, we're really, we're very grateful that he's part of the team and we're, we're partnering with him. So yeah, that's, that's NPR global in a nutshell and, and shout out to, to Jazz. And Demetrius and, and the entire team, obviously Jr. who's leading, you know, the way with me and um, yeah, the the Grammy situation with money was just a testament to like you know the underdog um, because everything that we were doing was unconventional, um, but you know it just shows that where music is from a um, consumption standpoint and giving more freedom to artists to like not go through that traditional like labor. Not to say that's not for you at the time, um, it can be. And it is now obviously for, for money at Def Jam, but you know, it's just even like really leveling out the playing field. 
um, especially with there's more independent artists out now. Yeah. Nah, you guys, you guys have definitely cracked the code. I feel like, especially with your digital uh, marketing experience, um, like you said, Jasmine and the team, their ability to kind of help the artists understand their brand, their ethos, their their mission, help them package that and figure out how to then use the platforms and what works best on what platforms. It's just very hands-on. And I feel like compared to other situations I've seen, uh, there's a lot of energy to get signed. There's a lot of energy in the beginning and then it's like nothing. And then there's a lot of energy when it's time to put out the record and then there's nothing. So it's like this big, like, wave with a lot of situations and the problem is these artists it's not like you get signed and you just figured it out like they're the same person they were before they got signed they came to you because they didn't have it all figured out but what happens when you get signed and it's like you have one contact at a company and that contact might reach out to you or may not or may wait till there's a problem and usually you're only speaking when there's a problem it was very refreshing to see something as simple as all right y'all we're kicking this off we're gonna start a group chat there's gonna be nine of us in that chat and we're going to communicate here. All right, y'all, we're going to have a weekly phone call. Get on. If you can't, we'll send an email recap with notes. If, if we need you to do something, we'll let you know. It's like it was it was very much how I love to operate. And like, all right, there's a team, there's roles. I'm going to let people down if I don't do my part. So it, it gives you a pressure. And you need that pressure to like, it's the only way you make an artist pop. It's like everybody has to do their part in service of the same goal. So I, I love that you guys approach it that way. I hope more people follow suit. I pray your success with money, Appreciate with Manny, it. with everybody else opens the eyes for other people who are following suit. Um, and I'm gonna keep sending artists y'all way, even if they're just consultations, because again, I'm not a marketing master. Like I'm, I don't, you know, my job is to take an idea, create it, operationalize it, and then build a team to execute it. But seeing somebody executed at a high level always excites me because I'm like, yo, like, Yo, they yeah. really get this. Like they really understand this. Like, and I'm learning from you guys. I, I look forward to and I try to get on as many calls or like go through the chats as possible because I do learn from just even how you guys approach things. I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Like, I never would have thought to communicate that way with Manny. Like, and I yeah. see the difference in him. Like, you guys are getting him to do stuff I couldn't get him to do for years. I'm like, Manny, I need you to post more. I need you to post more. And he could never yeah. post. And then you guys communicated in a way where he texted me one day. He was like, yeah, just had a really good call with Jasmine and, and Drew. And um, yeah, so I'm about to start flooding TikTok. And I'm like, now you're going to flood TikTok? Like, <laughs> but the content works. It's him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that, I think, is where I couldn't communicate to him how you guys have. So, like, again, kudos to you guys for and, and obviously, Manny's very different than money. So it's like you guys have figured out how to do it with multiple types of personalities and people. And it's worked either way. And it's working either way. Yeah. And, and I think for us, like I said, it's really just the, the quality, the intention. And that's the reason why, like, even outside the NPR, that's why, you know, even with your platform, you know, we can't help everyone individually the way that we want to, but we can still support the community through our, our communities that we've created. And I think we, we obviously just want to advocate, we're artist advocates, right? So we obviously have our partnerships, which are more like detailed and um, locked in with like an NPR and Manny situation, but you know, artists still also other artists still need help. And I think that's the reason why you, you have 24 seven, the, the digilog, you know, those, those are the reason why those things ex exist because I can take experiences that I've learned and just be like, all right, spit game, you know, give you the playbook and then you can add your sauce to it. But, uh, we're not, I'm not saying anything that we're not doing. Yeah. It's, it's available. Yeah. <laughs> so. 100%. It's funny when we were, uh, going out for investment for 24 seven 
and you know all investors they always say like who are your comps and who you know comps and like comparisons but some people say competitions and so i would show digilog and say like digilog and they'd be like well you know why would someone be a digilog member and a 24 7 member and i said no no you're missing this my dream is that every digilog member is a 24 7 member and vice versa because what they do they do really really well and I want to do what I do really, really well. And any chance we can do something together, I'm going to jump at it. And yeah. and I feel like that's like the next step for our industry and our community of like, mm-hmm. you know, when you have the big three, like the old model of like Sony, Warner Universal, and they're separate. And then you have Spotify, Apple, Tidal, they're separate. And you have all these cool, really. And the funny thing is behind the scenes, we're all friends. But like, yeah you know, the mask of like, I'm Sony, I'm team Warner, I'm team. And it's like, what happened if they ever came together? Um, I really do believe the next wave and what really takes the music industry to the next level is real collaboration is like, I want you to know, and I'm saying it publicly on the podcast, like you need to have the full support of 24 seven for any Digilog event, not just Digilog day, yeah. not a one-off, but like, I want you to always know you can text me and say, Yo, bro, we're doing a meetup in Atlanta. Tell yeah. your community come through. And I want to be like, hey, bro, we're doing a talent competition with 24-7. Open it up to your artists. Like it's like, because then one person can't carry the load. If if I had every dollar in the world, I couldn't support every artist. It'd be impossible. There's too right. many. I, I couldn't support every manager. I couldn't support every I don't have a, a pathway for internships and, and careers. Like and, and that's right. not my strong suit. I didn't come from the label world. I didn't work in the label world. So it'd be crazy for me to think I could outdo that. So I'd rather just support what you do and say, yo, Drew, how can I help you with the job listings that you're dropping? Is there anything that I can do to support that? Because I'm going to tell every one of my that. community members, yo, every week Digilog drops potential jobs, go follow them. Not, yo, they're yeah. doing that. Let me do my version of that. Like, right? right. Doesn't make yeah, sense. No, what, what- doesn't make sense. No, I, I absolutely agree. I was even thinking about it. Like, you know, the way we look at it is like, we, we do stuff, but even scaling back on things that, that don't necessarily follow our strong suits. And that's something that I've learned over the years. I'm like, all right, let's double down on just making sure like, all right, this is the job stuff that we, we specialize in. Let's be the best at this. Um, obviously we can support artists this way, but there's other ways, you know, other platforms can support artists. And that's the way I look at it. It's like, if there's more platforms and communities and resources for the artists, the better, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, because it evens out, like I said, the playing field, there's more resources because you might get something from 24 seven, you get something for Digilog, other platforms, finesse media, it doesn't matter. Like you're just basically taking all these things and just applying it um, and see what makes sense for you as an artist or even a young professional manager. Yeah. So, no, I'm just grateful that we, we, these all exist um, versus where when we started, it there really wasn't really, you know, there was nothing. Okay. <laughs> there, there was a Reverb Nation. <laughs> Reverb Nation. Yeah, that, that was Reverb Nation. And yeah, just like, it, I think what really inspired me too was I remember going to a networking event and it, it was it was paid. You know, I don't, I don't mind supporting, but it was like crazy, like $35. Um, and found myself just talking to people without the intention of just like getting to know them. Like it was very just forced. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to take that away. I'm like, for a lot of creatives, they don't know how to talk about themselves. You know, you, for young professionals, like, you know, you're investing in this and it, they don't even have the soft skills yet to like even open up. And, um, for me, 
it wasn't just about doing a one-time event. Like you have to be programming year round. Um, and that's what, you know, cause everyone, you know, uses community and now it's become a buzzword, <laughs> but it's not like, Oh, I've invested in the community and I've done this event. I'm a big brand. I'm like, no, like if you're going to invest and partner with the community, you have to like do it year round. <laughs> it's a year yeah. round thing. Sure. You know no, what you, I mean? You're absolutely right. I just, uh, so we're putting together a financial literacy workshop series and uh, I was that. talking to our banking partner and I was trying to explain to them, I was like, you know, financial literacy is big, especially for our community and then take it one level deeper. I'm sure you probably dealt with this, like being an immigrant coming here, like my parents were adults who didn't understand like the American financial system. So they didn't know how to teach me that. And I didn't learn any of this stuff till I was like well into my adult years. And I was like, oh, like if I knew what I knew at 18, that, that, that. So financial literacy is always something that that's been important for me. I've always had some kind of financial literacy workshop, even in our studio. But I was talking to our banking partner. I was like, you know, we got to put together like a bi-weekly course that's like 20 something courses and make it on demand and make it free. And you got to pay for it. And like the goal would be for them to get both personal and business financial literacy foundation. Then hopefully they become customers of your bank. Hopefully they buy their first house or first car with you. They they get their business credit with you and they're responsible stewards of, of their partnership with you. And, and the banking partner couldn't understand it in their mind. They were like, no, we'll do one event at, you know, one event, 200 people, make it free, get some pizza and we're good. And I'm like, no, 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 like I'm not doing it just to say I'm doing it. The byproduct for me is people will be better with money. And you can't do that in one two hour event with four people talking on the stage. They need a direct connection. They need the ability to like have interactive, like, okay, some workshops will be people talking and giving you advice, but some workshops would be, let me help you set up your first bank account. Right. And there's somebody here to help you answer and fill out the form. Right. Like, cause those are the skills that they, unfortunately we don't learn in college or we don't learn in high school, but like how many people don't have a bank account just cause they don't know how to get one. So those are the kind of things where like, I agree with you fully. If, if we're going to build a community, it can't be a buzzword. It's gotta be actionable. It's gotta be consistent. And I'll double down on it. It has to be supportive of the sister community. So like I look at Digilog, I look at Grammy U, I look at, all of these groups and I say, I see what they're doing really good. I know what I do really good. The ideal world for me is over the next couple of years, we figure out how to like do it like this. So that an artist literally could be like, yo, I'm tapped into like four or five situations and I'm good. Yeah, so. 100%. It's like literally like, I like to say it like a marketplace or and then you kind of check the boxes. Like, All right, cool. This is, I need this uh, financial literacy program. I need uh, daily jobs or weekly jobs from the digital log. And then I think, like I said, these big entities obviously are not thinking like that, but this is, it's up to us to like really understand and also show why it's important. And in your case with your banking partner. And even now it was like with digital log day, like even convincing those companies to say like, Hey, you need to be part of this and not just be part of music biz and these other bigger conferences because this is the community that is like on the ground um, and really is really the future. Mm -hmm. Like they're moving and, and shaking. You may not know who they are yet, but you know, they're, they're the ones that are coming up. Yeah. And I think uh, it's important for us to, to advocate for that. Oh man. I love it. Well, bro, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. Uh, I, I want to you end with, it. and I usually end with uh, pretty much the same question that everybody's answered, which is, if you could go back 
and give, I'll say for you, I will say, just graduated college, Drew, advice. So you haven't even started the the job with the Morgan Stanley yet. But if you could go back and give just graduated from college, Drew, advice, what would you say? I, I would say two things. I say one, um, you know, prioritize your mental health. I think, you know, you put so much pressure to just work, work, work. Um, especially like, you know, us being, uh, immigrants. Um, and I think that could definitely add up to burnout. You know, I've definitely gone through burnout before. So I think early in the stage of my career, like, you know, that's something that I experienced. And yeah, it was really tough because like, you just, you just wanted to make it. And I think that, that part. And then the second part is giving yourself grace, um, and through this journey, um, because you're going to be your harshest critic, uh, you know, whether you try to produce an event or whether you're trying to like work on a campaign, like things are not going to always work out and that's okay. You know, the opportunity was maybe not meant for you, but give yourself grace to say like, all right, I did everything I could to get here. Um, this was out of my control and you did your part. But yeah, I think those are two things I would tell myself because like I said, we are sometimes our harshest critics and um, it can definitely add to the other stresses that we're already dealing with. So. That's something I would advise. One of the best answers I've had to date. Drew DeLeon, Drew the curator, Drew the digital marketer, <laughs> Drew the Drew the Grammy winner. Oh man. Shout, shout out to the team, man. You know, we you know, but and you know, shout out to you for for even even um having this conversation. Like I said, we have a lot of parallels. Um I love to see what you're doing. I love to see everything you're doing with twenty four seven. I love everything that we're doing with Manny. So, you know, it's just really great to be around like-minded people that just get it. And um, I'm very mindful that, especially at our stages of our career, like aligning ourselves with folks that think like and, and um, challenge each other the way that we do. And um, that's especially important for, for us as we kind of evolve in our career, like aligning yourself with folks uh, that, that, you know, can, that think like you, but also challenge you as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. Like I said, I'm challenged. Next time you text me, you're getting a text back within three minutes. Unless my phone is on <laughs> do not disturb, but you will get a text back. It won't be three days like it used to be for me. And <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited for whatever we, because we got a lot that we'll do. Obviously, we're going to kick ass with Manny, get that boy yeah. Grammy and more. Um, but I'm excited for what we'll do with, with Digilog and with 24-7. I'm excited what we'll do personally. Like I just, you know, I rock with you, man. I, I, I really, really think you have something special. Um, this My conversation guys. opened up a lot more as to the wise. I see the parallels. I'm an older sibling too. So there's that extra challenge and pressure that's always there. Um, right. but I want you to know you have my full support in anything. I'm one of those people that you can count on. If you say I need, I will pull up and I will support however me or my team can consider us a part of whatever you're doing. Likewise, man. Appreciate you, though. We're going to do some things together. Obviously, Manny, uh, obviously, think about you again for Digilog Day and right. other opportunities. And um, shout out to you, man, for even like even having this. And uh, like I said, I, I really found this, you know, just it was really important to me to, to talk to someone that, that gets it. And, um, you know, thank you for giving me the stage to talk about the things that um, are always like we share internally, but to like now obviously have this uh, information out. Uh, in the public and hopefully people can get inspired from it.
Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Thanks, you too. All right, brother. Talk soon. Peace.